Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. Good morning, everyone. I'll never forget the end of my senior year at the University of Virginia, Mr. Jefferson's University. It was the big build-up to exams, turning in my thesis, and then thinking, what do I do now? Get to work, I guess. We've walked with Jesus toward Holy Week. We've endured the profound challenges and suffering with Him that He endured. We've celebrated His resurrection at Easter, and we have the opportunity now for a new beginning. So, what do we do now? The answer lies in three simple Scripture verses from our readings today. What happened back then? What does it mean for our life today, and what does it mean for our future? First, what happened back then? What have we been through at Easter? In our reading from the book of Acts, it is Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit came on the apostles. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul is beginning to risk his life by boldly preaching Jesus Christ to a crowd of Jews, probably in their hundreds. He concludes the first Christian sermon ever delivered with one statement of fact. This Jesus, God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. The resurrection of Christ, the real historical fact of Jesus being raised from the dead, is the cornerstone of Christian faith, and it is critical. As Paul wrote, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Theologian Gerald O'Collins said, Christianity without the resurrection is not simply Christianity without its final chapter. It is not Christianity at all. As Father Henry said in his sermon last week, in our sin, we deserved death, but Jesus gave us resurrection. The apostles were absolutely certain about Jesus' factual and historical resurrection, and because of that certainty, they were able to boldly risk and even lose their lives by sharing the truth of Christ. If you are not certain about the absolute fact of Jesus' resurrection and your own, try reading 1 Corinthians chapter 15, or pick up a copy of this great little book, Lee Strobel's The Case for Easter, in the atrium. What happened back then is the sure and absolute fact of Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead. Next, what does that mean for our life today? The single verse that answers that question comes from our gospel reading. Jesus, resurrected and alive, is physically with His apostles. He shows Thomas the wounds in his hands and in his side. 
and says to Thomas, Do you believe because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me physically and yet have believed. The people who have not seen Jesus physically yet who believe and are blessed in that faith are you and me today. Jesus is blessing not just his apostles back then, but also guaranteeing the same blessing for you in your life today. An example, there are two kinds of funerals. One is the funeral in a family where there is no faith. It's like a bomb has blown up. No one knows what to do, what to think, because there is no assurance of anything. No way through the overwhelming grief of loss except to somehow endure the pain with lots of unanswered questions. Or there is the funeral in a family of faith where the promise of eternal life allows us, empowers us to commend our loved one into God's loving hands. Even at times of such terrible physical loss, there is a sort of trust, if not a profound supernatural uplifting that carries us through the pain of grief. It's as if there is a sigh of relief in our bones, in our souls. This is the real life practical outcome of Jesus' resurrection and the promise of eternal life in our lives today. Paul writes about this very frankly in the book of Hebrews. He says that Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected to destroy Satan's power and thus to deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. That's you and me today. Fear can enslave us or the fact of Jesus' resurrection and our own can free us. This freedom is available not just when we deal with physical death, but in all aspects of our lives, whether we need a new beginning, whether we need a new start. Asking God and trusting God to help resurrect our marriages can foster compassion where there was brokenness. Asking God and trusting God to guide us as parents can enable us to love our children with wisdom and grace instead of frustration and harshness. Asking God and trusting God to guide us in our work can foster a spirit of friendship and service instead of pride and competition. John concludes his gospel thinking about your life today. I have written these things, he says, so that you may believe and that by believing you may have life. John does not just mean a work-a-day, mule-in-the-hailstorm kind of life. He does not mean boring and wondering life with the coronavirus. He means the full, 
purposeful, inspiring life that you really want to have under the hood because that's the life Jesus wants you to have. Making new beginnings, becoming a new creation, seeing blessings where there seemed to be none, experiencing and enacting the truth of Romans 8.28 that God is working all things for good. What happened back then is the fact of Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead. What it means in our lives today is freedom from fear, new life, new creation in whatever realm of life we ask God to help us with. Finally, what does Jesus' resurrection mean for our future? Following through on our one-verse approach, we turn to our New Testament reading where Peter said, God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The meaning of Jesus' resurrection for your future depends, in a sense, on what you believe today. Let's say that again. The meaning of Jesus' resurrection for your future depends, in a sense, on what you believe today. Paul put it this way, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Confessing and believing in Jesus and His resurrection is how we receive that living hope, real life-changing hope for the future. That living hope makes our future very bright because our future with Jesus is very bright. Peter explains that in his letter in the New Testament. He says our future involves an inheritance, which means it's coming, but it is already bestowed in the will and testament of Jesus. It is guaranteed Peter says our inheritance in heaven is like all things with God, imperishable, undefiled, unfading. I don't know about you, but as I grow older and as I trudge through this coronavirus season, I really like the sound of those words. This virus thing is uncertain, and I'm getting wrinkly and gray, if not going totally white, so the imperishable, the undefiled, the unfading is exactly what I need and want today, and it is our living hope in the future. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray together. What happened back then, Lord, is Jesus' resurrection. What it means for our life today, God, because of your goodness and grace is freedom from fear, new beginnings, new creation. Lord God, what it means for our future is living hope, imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Lord God, by Your Holy Spirit, I ask You to galvanize each of us with this certainty. 
that we may enjoy the living hope of Easter and share it with others in a new beginning. All this we pray in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.